Hey, hey. Hey, hey. And uh, how are we doing this week, Mike? Okay, okay. All right. Just uh, ready to get into it, man. Ready to do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Took a uh, couple weeks episode, out there. E- episode two. Uh, getting ready to... Uh, Getting ready to pop off, um, as the kids say. Um, That's crazy, kids. So, so you've uh, suggested the the idea of us uh, picking out movies and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and giving them a watch. And uh, you picked out Wind River this week. Um, and I, I literally just got done watching it. Uh, very fresh in your brain, huh? Yes. Um, cool. J- uh, Jeremy Renner um, mm-hmm. is, is the big star. And uh, I thought... Uh, and I, the one I, Olsen I, who could act? Outside of the Avengers. Uh-huh. And uh, those movies, and the Marvel movies, I'm not overly familiar with. And, and uh, the, uh, the Bourne movie, that one. I forgot mm-hmm. about that, actually. But a solid actor and a and a pretty damn solid movie. Um, what uh, what what are some of your thoughts on it? Okay, I watched it on uh, I watched it Wednesday night, so I've had a few days to forget about it. <laughs> but uh, I think overall it was a pretty good movie. Um, I had it on my list to watch just because I was intrigued by what I'd heard about the movie, but it's not probably my typical cup of tea of what i would usually watch uh it, it's uh, it's funny it, it's funny not not to interrupt it, it but it's funny you mentioned that because i'm i'm sitting there watching it and i'm like mike suggested this it's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it, and i'm not saying that you know in any uh meaning anything mean but i'm just like this this is a bit outside the box but as i said solid movie solid movie uh-huh yeah um I, I really liked what Jeremy in, in the movie. I thought he was really, really good. His his character was, was very well developed. I thought he played it very well. Uh, Elizabeth Ols- Olsen, again, she's a really good actress. I really like what she does, but I don't think her character really was fleshed out. Like, I think she was just more like, she's just a novice uh, FBI girl, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, but not, not Jodie Foster. Now, novice. Uh, is she related to the Olsen twins? She's their sister. Okay, because see, now I feel silly. I will have to go and uh, tell my yeah. wife that she was correct because she was like, "Is that an Olsen?" And I was like, "No." Yeah. But I was <laughs> oh, yes, she was meaning Mary Kate or Ashley. But then, okay, well, yeah, as always, the wife the, was right. But anyways, that's the good. That's the one. Yeah, the one who can act. Yes. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> And she wasn't bad, but I she wasn't. It, it didn't really develop too much of uh, a backstory for her. Like it, it really, oh, he outshined her because of just his backstory and, and the way he was able to portray everything. In yeah. Movie. So it really did. It really was a spotlight on on Jeremy Renner on this movie for sure. Uh, I liked it. I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't know if it was amazing. I won't say it, it was amazing. To really call it, I'm more other than more of a drama because you can't really call it a murder mystery per se even though you don't know who did it but it's really not like one of those movies where it's like 
whereas there, there's all these red herrings and all these suspicions and things. It's really just more of a yeah. They, a jerk. they really didn't give you, like you said, a lot of red herrings. I mean, you eventually find out what and how it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just. Um, I'm trying not to give away too much here, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you there that um, that it did. Uh, it was pretty straightforward in its approach, as far as the unraveling. I guess you'd say. Uh, yeah. yeah. Really solid reviews on IMDb. I think it's got like a seven between a seven and an eight. Rotten Tomatoes gives it an eighty-seven. Um, so solid movie, but I think the general consensus is, if not for Jeremy Renner, this would probably be a pass, right? <laughs> well, I didn't really watch it for him per se. Right. I just, think, I just think his character is what drives the movie for sure. But um, I mean, the whole thing was interesting. It's interesting. I like. I, sometimes I like watching movies in the cold, you know. Yeah, uh, that, it, does, that's what, it does provide a different uh, a different feel. Yeah, that that backdrop makes a really forlorn lorn sort of tale. So I, that's interesting to to see. But yeah, it was uh, again, what, what, uh let's say like uh, let's do a out of ten. What would you, what would you say? I'm gonna go slightly lower than IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. I'd go. Mm-hmm. A solid six, maybe six and a half. Um, mm-hmm. Because, as you already touched upon, it wasn't my typical cup of tea. It, it was a mm-hmm. very watchable movie. I didn't feel it dragged. But, um, yeah, a good, a good six, six and a half. What about yourself? Uh, I'm going to go with point. Uh, five five and a half uh just because i've had i've had a few more days to kind of let it reminisce in me but also kind of drift away like it's not it's not as memorable like i feel like you know you're now we're gonna be talking about wind river you know anything like that but it yeah i mean again just to sit and watch it once i don't i don't feel like it's probably a movie i'll probably rewatch probably not maybe later on way way down the road but um yeah it, it definitely doesn't have all that but yeah, I mean, solid, solid. Just, just. I mean, if you if you rent or if you have Netflix, obviously that's where we watched it. Um, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good. Uh, what, a little over two hours? Uh, almost two hours. Um, uh, not not too short, not too long. I think I think the runtime on there is an hour and forty six minutes. So, fe- feature length, as they say. Um, yeah, and uh, we'll uh, we'll choose another movie. I suppose it's my turn. Uh, We'll choose another movie in a bit. We'll get to that. But, uh, you know, you mentioned we we watched this on Netflix. Something that I found just mind-blowing. Okay. Um, Have you heard how much Netflix is worth? (laughs) No, but I can't imagine. It's got to be crazy. A hundred, roughly, just rough, rough numbers here, 140 billion with a B, billion dollars. Now, to put that in perspective, Disney, which owns everything under the sun, is worth $150 million. $50 million? Uh, billion, I'm sorry. $150 billion, sorry. Uh, yeah. right. so only $10 billion behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a streaming yeah. company. They're, they're not 
they're not in theaters. Their sole source of revenue is is you know their streaming service. Well, yeah. you you just said it though. You just said it. That that's kind of how they made their money. Yeah. You see, we're talking about streaming. I mean, where as in everything that goes theatrical and everything that goes um, DVD, Blu-ray. I mean, you do lose some money right there right. in that production value and the distribution through theaters and stuff like that so you do you know that is a little bit of a loss but it, it is still mind-blowing because in fact disney's been around forever and this and let's face it netflix has really been in their their zigzags in the last 20 years you know right it, it really is crazy though because i think they've got 119 120 million subscribers which is far and away i mean that's probably as much as some cable companies i mean that that's an astounding number in itself and you take roughly what is it now 15 between 10 and 15 bucks let's say 10 bucks i know it's slightly more than that but that's that's slightly more than that yeah uh, but, but 120 million well over 120 million dollars a month so i mean it's easy when you sit back and and kind of uh, do the rough math, you can figure out why they're worth that much. But they're already, what is it, uh, over 100, um, is it 100 unique projects or 100 movies that they're producing this year? That's what they did the last few years. They've just been de- developing their own, going out and buying all kinds of things and uh, rekindling some things and you know taking up some things that got uh, dumped from other uh, um, channels you know, and reviving them. Yeah, they, they really uh, came come into their own. We talked about this a little bit last time uh, about how television is so different now because of Netflix, because of the way they operate, because they don't operate on this, like, you know, for, formats are different. They don't really care. They don't stick to structures of formats. You know, they don't, you know, cursing is uh, the, you know, even even probably the, the beats per minute, I don't think it's, you know, it doesn't, it they don't really care that much. I, I think that they, they have so many varied options there, and that's a that's really changing the way that that they're making um, projects now, which is which is cool. I, I think it's cool. Yeah, but, um, and and they have access to to data, like I've I've said in conversation. I'm not sure if I've said it to you, but I know I've said in conversations with other people that marketing to be a marketer in 2018 as easy as it has ever been and i say that because you have access to data mounds and mounds of data that has never been there before netflix can see you know okay a million people watch 13 reasons why 10 million stranger things yeah uh, yes you know and take okay and then only 500,000 watched uh whatever so we're not going to focus on those we want to focus mm-hmm. on that. and they can really really pinpoint what's doing well and i know they've had the nielsen ratings for years but to me this seems more pinpointed and more accurate and really is helping them focus their attention on the, the shows yeah yeah i mean it is it is and also like and they 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 already are their own you know channel they've already created um new shows and they didn't work out and they've already been canceled you know they've already canceled some of their original programming so they're you know they're not going to just hold on to something just for the sake of holding on to it i mean it is a business 
still. And I think that, you know, but I think they do give people a lot more opportunities and chances, but, you know, but, you know, once I'm sure the numbers aren't there, like you were saying, they just go, no, we're not going to focus on that anymore. We're going to, we're going to go make another season of stranger things, <sighs> you know, um, now, uh, and, and I'm wondering with Hulu and YouTube and, and actual live TV service, that uh, live streaming TV. I, I'm curious if, if Netflix is going to get in on that or they're just going to stick to their guns and keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, as far as the, the they, they already do a little bit. Netflix already does a little bit of this um, where they have a show and like, then like every week they'll have a new episode and stuff. I don't really like it that well on Netflix because it's kind of hard to keep up with it. And also like, usually like if you watch an e- the new episode it backtracks to the uh, old episodes it starts i, I don't know I, it's just it's a little bit it's a little bit complicated i mean um so i don't know if they're going to go with the live streaming i don't think they have to i don't think they need to so no not i think really they, tend if to it becomes i mean it's right. they're doing something right yeah so i, I don't think that i mean you know future they might you know i mean there was a point where i thought you know all these other companies are going to go and they're going to do the streaming their own their own selves you know like fox and and uh universal and all them but they they just can't get it together you know so netflix is going to be the the one i think for the for a while um but um, they do have competitors like you said you you know hulu and prime and all that but they really aren't you know they they really are far behind yeah, uh, and but that's the thing too. It's like you can have those those streaming sites, and you don't ever have to really uh, want to watch anything again. You know, you have so much content that you're pretty much set for life. <laughs> I mean, I know that something's going to happen eventually. I I mean, the prices are going to go up. Yes, they already are going mm-hmm. up. You know, every so often. But just uh, other than that, I think that you know, I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. Uh, now, moving on, you said you had a brief uh, indie horror discussion uh, you wanted to touch yeah. on? Uh-huh, yeah. Well, since we were talking about movies and stuff, uh, typically what I watch the most of is probably independent horror films um, most of the time. Now, some of these you probably haven't heard of or watched, but I'm going to throw them at you see if you have, see what you think if you have. Um, one that I watched was The Killing of the Sacred Deer. Have you heard of this one? I have not. I have not. <laughs> it's, it's a really interesting movie. Um, it, it's got Colin Farrell in it and Nicole Kidman. Okay. And uh, the director, I'm not going to pronounce his name right. It's Yorgos Latimios. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, but he was the guy who made a movie um, called The Lobster. Have you ever heard of that one? It's, that one wants to ring a bell, but I'm going to say no. Uh, well, they're both very, very weird. And they both star, star Colin Farrell. I'm not a huge Colin Farrell fan, I, but I'm not I, I, do, I, I, do, I do like what he does in these films because he's such a weird – like the whole thing is weird, but his characters are so weird. Mm-hmm. But The Killing of Sacred, Sacred Deer it, – it, it's I don't know it. It's one of those movies that it doesn't give you the answers, but I don't always have to have the answer. So I thought it was good. It's just but the lobster 
Killing of a Sacred Deer. Both those movies are so bizarre. If you like really weird movies, like real quick, The Lobster was about uh, you're supposed to, like it's like set in this universe where you're supposed to um, couple. If you don't end up coupling, you end up uh, kind of becoming alone, and they kind of set you aside and they take you and transform you into a creature. <laughs> it's really weird, but it's not a horror movie. And this and this one technically isn't a horror movie either, but they're very on that borderline, right. you know. Um, so I, I consider it horror, but not really. It's more of a drama thriller, I guess. Um, another movie I watched uh, was Inside. Um, this was a, an American remake of a French film, and I love the French version. I watched it uh, many years ago, and it's so bloody and so messed up. Uh, but for some reason, whenever a lot of times American remakes on these foreign films, they really kind of water it down. They Americanize it, and I don't know why necessarily. Uh, some of it was play by play, but then they really, really changed the ending to make it way more happier. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but so it wasn't really that great. The, the French one is, is fantastic, though. I totally recommend that to anybody that loves. Um, crazy wild horror films uh a film that i watched recently was called tragedy girls have you heard of this one i have not you're getting um, the, into the <laughs> right well yeah these are totally into the stuff. Um, <laughs> actually now here's the funny thing about this you you you've never heard of this movie but you know the two stars because they both played x-men okay alexandria is that her, is that her? <laughs> yes alexandria ship uh you might not know the name, but she played Storm in an X-Men Apocalypse. Okay, okay. And the girl who played um, Teenage Angst Machine in Deadpool? Yes. Her. Th- those two girls are the stars of this film. And it's the, it's it's one of those films about about technology, today's technology. These girls are obsessed with like followers and all this shit, and they're – they're basically trying to imitate a serial killer, or actually, they're trying to kill people to, to, but to pin it on this other serial killer. It's, it's not really that complicated, but it's funny. It's a funny. It's a horror comedy. I think you actually you would like this one. Uh, and what's the name of it? One more time. Tragedy Girls. Tragedy Girls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those movies that, again, it's set in the in the day here and now of technology and what we're living in with you know iPhones and so much in your face and stuff. And there's a lot of these movies out there now. Some of them I don't really care for that much. Some of them I like. Um, like, I didn't really care that much for Unfriended, and Open Windows was okay, but it wasn't that great. Um, I did like Detention. I don't know if you ever saw that one. That one was really good. But Tragedy Girls was really, really good. Uh, and the last one was The Midnight Man, which has Robert England, okay. Freddy Krueger himself, and it um, – it's not great, but it um, it has a lot of uh, things that you, don't, you haven't seen in a while, which is um, bad things happening to little kids. <laughs> but it, it it it's about a game, and it's there's so many movies about games gone wrong. But um, it's worth checking out for just for Robert England and uh, Lynn Shays in it as well. So it's it's not too bad, but. Of all those, uh, I'll have to say that uh, Tragedy Girls is definitely the best one. Second best, Killing of Sacred Deer. Really, really messed up movie, but I like messed up stuff. If you like messed up stuff, you are going to like that movie. I guarantee it. Uh, so that's all That's all that. 
other topic I want to touch on real quickly, and you brought this up earlier yes. uh, when you were talking about when, uh, when River, you were talking about ratings and stuff. You said like on IMDb, and then you said Rotten Tomatoes. I wanted to talk really briefly about Rotten Tomatoes and your opinion on um, just how much you rely on their sources. It is, we are in a day and age where we read reviews and other people's opinions. Um, I'm not going to say it makes or breaks seeing a film for me, but okay, Justice League, for example. I hated it. Hated it. Well, well, no, I take that back. Not Justice League. Justice League was watchable. Uh, Batman versus Superman. That That's what I'm thinking of. Okay, Justice League was watchable, but still wasn't great. Batman versus Superman, I really wasn't excited about it. Um, okay, you know, uh, we won't get into the big why reasons why, but then I think it had like 20-something percent, maybe even lower than that on Rotten Tomatoes. So that really didn't do anything else for me. I eventually watched it. My feelings of why I didn't really want to watch it was confirmed, and I can see why it got 20%. Now, on the flip side of that, if I didn't really want to see it, and I seen, okay, it had like 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. perhaps that would have made me a bit more excited, but mm, I don't know. It, it's it's a weird a weird thing because I do I do check it out. I do check uh, that out. I check Amazon reviews when I purchase products. I check, and I know I'm kind of looping and a bunch of stuff in, but I, I check out a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm not going to say as a you know that it makes or breaks whether I watch a film or, or for that matter, purchase a product, but it does have some sort of an effect. I, I know I gave you a long-winded answer there, but that's okay. Uh, that's good. Oh, I'm with you. Like when I purchase products and stuff, I like to check out the details and stuff too, make sure they work and all that. Uh, absolutely, I'm with you. Uh, the only thing I want to talk about with Rotten Tomatoes is um, the system is flawed. Yeah. <laughs> um, people take it, people take it as the gospel, but they, what they don't understand is that it's a broken system. Like I don't even know how it came to be the way it is. And the reason I say that is, if you look on older movies and stuff, first of all, you got. We're, we're, we're talking about the criteria of what Rotten Tomatoes means. They have a select board of people that they deem worthy of reviews that they, that they lump together, right, mm-hmm. and get, a, get a, an amalgamation of what, what is what. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to do that in a way, what, I think you would need those people for every movie that you're going to do in a way. Mm-hmm. Because let's say you have – 7,000 people that like that are watching this movie like Justice League or something like that and then you have seven people watching this other movie you know what I mean yeah it's not exactly the same I'll give you an example if you go on Rotten Tomatoes now unless this has changed I haven't looked it up in a few months but if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and you look up um, what's the name of that movie the Grave Dancers. The Grave Dancers is a horror film. Um, let me find that real quick. Um, the Grave Dancers horror film came out. It's been a few years now. 
not a bad movie. I've got it. I, I, I like it. I think it's okay. It's not a great movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not like a great movie. Rotten Tomatoes, 100%. Huh. Do you know why it's 100%? Why is that? Because only a few people have, like, only a few people have reviewed it. So, so we're, we're, talk, we're talking about, well, why? <laughs> why? Why? Like, so they can go and say, hey, we're 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. But, okay, but would you really be in real life, you know? I uh, can't find it for some reason. Um, and there's a few more like that, too. Right. Um, and, and probably even more. I mean, I was just looking at, okay, here we go. 2006 is when this movie came out. Yep, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> now, the audience score, 45%. <laughs> That's a little different. Um, again, it's not. I'm not ragging on the movie. I actually enjoy the movie. I like horror movies. I don't think that the, the average audience members would be like, That's a great movie. Like, yep. That's a fantastic movie. No, uh, there's just no way. Well, ha- hasn't it already came out uh, that... Um, th- this was in the news, uh, kind of what you're alluding to here, um, recently, how there are, uh, it, it is a flawed system and how some movies, movie executives perhaps maybe even pay some of these reviewers to boot. Oh, of story. course they do. Oh, of course they do. Yeah. Of course they do. Yes. Well, I, I read on, um. And I, and I don't know if this is actual or not, but when Get Out, it had 100% for so long, but then one dude gave it, <laughs> you know, the negative. Uh, and they were saying that all, he, he does this to all these movies just to get attention, like just to be that guy, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, and, and if it's true or not, I don't know. Okay, so I'm, I'm here on IMDb. Grave Dancers, again, not a bad movie. Uh, 5.5 on IMDb. Kind of a far, far stretch away from 100%. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm saying, like, you know, it's it's okay to go and look if you want. If you want, if you want to go see reviews, you can go to to Rotten Tomatoes and look at what people are saying about it, and maybe and whatever, kind of get an idea if that's if that's your thing. But if you just go and look for the score, you might not be getting like the representation that you think you're getting. That's all that, I'm saying. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a valid point. Some people out there might might not agree with that. I don't know. Um, it's uh, it's a fair assessment. Um, before we get into the uh, the next little discussion, I'll go ahead because you actually give me an idea of uh, a movie for next week's episode. Okay. Uh, have you seen The Circle? The Circle. Tom Hanks, uh... John Boyega. Emma Watson. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I was thinking there was a horror movie called Circle, but no, no. Mm-mm. Because you were talking about uh, legendary girls and uh, how it's about technology. Well, the Circle is a whole lot like that. Um, the Circle is a big tech corporation, similar to Facebook uh-huh. or Google. All right. So that's that's my choice. I think it came out in maybe 2016, 20, maybe last year. And I'm okay. pretty positive it's on Amazon Prime. So okay. So there's that for next week. And that could lead us down a whole rabbit hole of uh, of technology. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Now, yeah. the, <clears throat> one of the uh, 
one of not really complaints, but uh, criticisms that I've heard from a couple people that's listened to episode one is uh, we agree too much. So <laughs> here is a topic that uh, I'm not going to say we will disagree on, but we aren't going to just uh, just fully agree on, and that is the topic of uh, Nirvana and, and and not just what is you know your favorite song or, uh, or whatever it's their cultural impact their standing in music history and, and i know you're a much bigger fan than i am i do appreciate them and, and i don't hate them by any means I, I don't but um i've gotten into some i won't say heated arguments but in my opinion Foo fighters are a better band that's my opinion. And I know there's probably some big Nirvana fans out there that would hang me. Well, that's really apples and oranges for sure. I mean, that's a totally different um, um, comparison, I think, in a way. And the thing about Foo Fighters is they had so many, they've had so much time to even create so much more. Are, are we just talking about the first two albums of Foo Fighters? Because, I mean, you know, this thing about Nirvana is like they, they weren't really around that long when you think about it. Seven years? So, uh, I'm I'm on the good old reliable Wikipedia, which well, seven years, but like they were only famous for three of those, really. Exactly, three or four. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, formed in '87, Cobain passed away in '94, and as you said, uh, Nevermind came out in '91, and then that's when everything changed. They did have um. Bleach. Bleach and all that for that. But. Yeah, they had bleach. Um, so, in my opinion, I think it was a right place, right time. Um, to to some extent, because you um, you're coming off hair metal, you you're coming off hair metal, and everything's party, party, party. Everything's awesome. Just mm-hmm. and it really wasn't like that, and. Really and here comes Kurt and the boys, and they're like, no, it sucks. Life sucks, and we're going to tell you why. And right. the 90s were a time where there was a lot of angst and a lot of anger, and, and I really think it was a right place, right time type thing. Um, not, you know, so. But, but where do you think they stand culturally? Because I know they had a profound impact upon you. Uh, well, as far as like the impact of changing the structure of, of, of culture with music, I mean, I, I think it is pretty much there. I mean, it's, it's hard to even argue it to a point because, you know, like you, like you just said, I mean, before that we had the hair bands, they were, they were, you know, they were partying all that long and, you know, as, as being a teen growing up in that, you know, and listening to that, because because you had no real alternative in a way, <laughs> alternative uh, uh, in, a, in a way. So you you but but again you weren't feeling it. It's like I really don't want to party all night and uh, want action tonight. And, uh, so so there was that sort of feeling that like it wasn't it, you know it's what's out there, but it's not really what I'm feeling. So when as far as Nirvana themselves, Nirvana was the catalyst. I mean, we're did it, can we say that? Smells Like Teen Spirit itself, that song changed 
the world. Yeah, I think it did in a way. I mean, it, what it did is it opened doors for a whole revolution. So they were just the people that broke the door down. Were they the ones, are, are they the best ones of the bunch? I mean, who's to say? I mean, there's a lot of Nirvana songs that I don't think are that great. There's some songs that I think are okay, and there's some that I absolutely love. I don't, you know, I'm not like a fan of every single thing that they've ever done. But I do think that the effect, the, the, the impact that they had on the culture and on the 90s as a whole, yeah, I, I think that that's very evident. And that's, you can't really argue that. Because what it, it ushered in this whole, um, again, this whole genre that we never really heard before above ground, you know, it was all underground. Uh, and it was great because these are things that you, honestly, you never really heard before and you really haven't heard that much since. I mean, it's, it's still there, but again, it's not, you're not hearing it on the radio much anymore. No. If you look at it like this and, and, and again, like you said, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of, um, bitterness there's a lot of hostility there in the 90s um and 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 you know very aptly so uh, but you had songs like and again this only in the 90s would you have songs like radiohead's creep that wouldn't fly today no people would be like shut up shut up man just shut up beck's loser come on beck's loser today would be like uh um, and, it, and it created this whole atmosphere for all these bands to be undis- all these undiscovered bands to really kind of get pop their head out, you know. Uh, one of my favorite uh, bands, Belly, uh, had a song called "Feed the Tree," which is not that whole album is really not my favorite. The second one is, but uh, "Feed the Tree" is so weird and bizarre, and nobody would ever have listened to that at all. They wouldn't have ever, and and, and you probably don't even remember it because it, it didn't get crazy big but it was in the top probably 40 or 100 at least whatever so it's just one of those things that really ushered in all these um, different bands i feel like it brought poetry to music that you didn't really see that much of especially with like kurt and a lot of you had people like uh presidents of the united states of america doing things like uh, lump which was just silly but it wasn't like weird al silly it was just weird silly there's a lot of there's a lot of weirdness to the '90s music, and I love that. Um, and I think that it was influenced, but also made available because of maybe not Nirvana themselves, but what Nirvana was able to do because they were given the chance to. You know, and that's the thing. You, or one band, or one movie, or or whatever, and then okay, that was successful. Let's get another Nirvana. Let's get another. Oh, totally. let's get another totally. thing. You know, everybody jumps on the bandwagon, and then we see yeah, Curl, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Smashing Pumpkins—all tremendous bands. Um, Which you would have never heard of if it hadn't been for Nirvana and probably Pearl Jam. But yeah, you're right. No, no. I mean, those record labels just like uh, give me another one of them. Yep. Give me another one of them. I'll take I'll take four more of those. Yeah, bring them over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. But they always do that. They always have, really. The the reason, but that, and the reason I I chose you mentioned Pearl Jam. To me, mm-hmm. if if I had to pick, just shooting from the hip here, a Mount Rushmore of the nineties, Cobain, Vedder, uh, Corgan, and Cornell, just mm-hmm. right off the top of my head, 
And I think the other titan of the 90s would be Pearl Jam. And much like you mentioned Foo Fighters earlier, they've had the the luxury of having time to extend their legs. Not only that, but you got Foo Fighter, the Foo Fighter, Dave Grohl, was in Nirvana. Right. So it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when you got two buddies sitting around watching and they just got a video game, okay? This one guy says, I'm going to play first. He plays. The other guy watches him, so he knows all the moves already. This guy's getting killed left and right, but he's but the other guy's figuring it out. So when he gets his turn to play, is he going to be better than the first guy? Hell yeah. <sighs> now see. Ah, here we go. Okay. But very good analogy, and, and in my opinion, Grohl is one of the most underrated drummers in rock. Oh, he's great! Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, I, I think he's up there, up there with the uh, the Bonhams, the Neil Perts, the uh, the Keith Moons. I, I think he's on that level. Uh, some people might. Be- I think I probably say he's probably. I think he, in my opinion, he's probably the best drummer. He's one of. It, it, I like Travis Barker, but um, that's yeah, a damn good one too. Um, he, he's probably the because I've heard so much different uh, range from Grohl, and like you know, he's done so many aside projects and shit. Yeah, he's probably. I think he's probably the best. And and see, the really good analogy with the video game thing, but I also think I don't I'm not trying to discredit Grohl. I'm not trying to discredit Grohl and say he just picked it all up. I mean, he obviously is crazy talented. I'm just saying he's he had time to hone more a lot of that stuff before Foo Fighters ever started because he was in Nirvana doing it. You know what I mean? Like he he was already in a great band before he started that great. Band. I don't know. I, I think there was a there was obviously a drive there from Grohl of well, I love doing this music thing, so I'm going to try this, see what happens, and. He had a hit, or they had a hit. Uh, Big Me. Big Me was on that first album, right? Yes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. had a hit, and then obviously The Color and the Shape was a, a huge success. And then the hits just keep on coming in albums after that. And I just, I think the versatility over time has, has been much different. Uh some people may just be like, well, they're a lot like ACDC. Foo Fighters have their sound. They have their, but I, whatever. I disagree with that. I think they're, they have a sound, but they're a pretty versatile band. But but back to Nirvana, they didn't have that luxury of time. They had a short, short window. Mm-hmm. So my question to you, would, uh, and this question has been asked time and again. What would have happened had Kurt lived? Uh, I think it, I think he would probably be like Michael Stipe now, you know, growing a long beard, living probably out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think it, it, like you said, it, it was at the time the, that time that place that zigeist of the moment. I, I do feel like that Kurt was too weird for the world <laughs> as far as musically. Like, uh, I think eventually people have been like. I just want normal stuff, man. Let's go back to normal stuff, dude. Yep. I want to party all night again. <laughs> um, so I think that I think eventually it probably. I mean, you know, but who knows? I mean, he, he probably. I think he could have reinvented himself too and, and made a lot of changes as well. But he was way more extreme than say the Foo Fighters are because the Foo Fighters do appeal to a very, very 
wide audience. And I don't think that was, um, it was the case in 91, but I don't think it would have always been that case with Nirvana. No, Uh, In Hero is a strange album. Uh, It's a very strange album. Yeah, it is. Um, And, and, you know, it did have a, have a couple hits yeah. off of it, but, you know, it didn't do what Nevermind did in the beginning. So uh, I think that possibly, yeah, it, it could have been a a, uh, a fadeaway kind of a thing. Again, uh, we don't know. We're speculation. He could have totally reinvented himself. I, I read somewhere he was wanting to just go break away and do acoustic stuff or, you know, play with, might play with Stipe or something, you know. It, we don't really know. I mean, he, he was very talented. I mean, I think you could tell just by listening to Unplugged that he wasn't just a screaming kind of guy. You know, he, he did have a lot of uh, um, ability there just to sing. But there were bands that kept on and kept on after Nirvana. But, you know, eventually the whole thing just loses its steam. And they kind of, not that there are a lot of Mark still playing, but, you know, you just don't hear about it. They're underground or whatever, but. Well, let's just throw this out there while we're on the topic. Um, did he kill himself or was he murdered? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. I've. Uh, it, it's easy to see both, man. It's really easy to see both. Uh, you know, he, he had a lot of problems. He talked a lot about it. it. He obviously thought a lot about it. I don't, you know, so... It's there. You, you you watch all these uh, documentaries like Soaked in Bleach, and you go, "Wow, that's." Yep. <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. Even if you're not a Nirvana fan, Montage of Heck and Soaked in Bleach. Watch. Well, don't watch don't watch Montage of Heck if you want to be. Uh, like you, I mean, watch it, but I mean, there is a reason why Montage of Heck came about. Yeah. Because yeah. it came um, out right – both of those documentaries came out around the same time. It came out just before that one did to eclipse it. Like that was that – yeah. It was all political in that. But the thing about Montage of Heck, it was so slapped together. And not that there's some cool footage in it because there are for sure because Courtney released some cool footage that you've never seen of Kurt and, and her. And, um, but the artist, if you notice in the, in the movie, I'm not sure it's all the scenes – I only, I only watched it once. I'm not sure it's all the scenes are, are some of the scenes. They're depicting Kurt as right-handed. I'm like, this is like one of his stand, you know, like his uh, main things. He's a left-handed dude. Right. You know? um, so, but I don't know. I mean, there obviously he was a big, it was a wealthy dude. Um, there was motive. Um, but again, he also was very conflicted. So that, I mean, I think more than anybody, almost anybody in the world about suicide, like, cause like he was so blatantly obviously about it in his songs and, you know, in some, some of the things he said, but he, he was also a trickster in some of the things he said too. So he really, you really couldn't pay too much attention to what he was saying. I think he did a lot of things for kicks right. as far as inter- interviews, but um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll never know, but um, I, I've kind of, I've always said Courtney killed him no matter what. Uh, that was my opinion. <laughs> it was like, I don't care if he killed himself or she had him murdered or whatever. She still did it. Because um, I think that, you know, because one of the things I read, and I read uh, a couple books after, after it happened, and one of the things was like that she was kind of threatening uh, to leave him um, 
and take take Francis and all that stuff and um to be able to empathize with that, like from a sensitive guy, who really uh, loves his children. Like I really, yeah, I could, I could see how that would bring, bring, bring an unstable person over the edge, and uh, things like that. So, again, I, I don't know. I mean, but he, but he, you know, he he had a lot of good, he had a lot of good songs. He, the thing I love about uh, Kurt Cobain is that he brought something to the world on a international level that i've never saw before not really is he brought the complete i don't give a fuck to everything yeah which is in the way he dressed he didn't care (laughs) um they were talking about him being a millionaire with holes in his shoes um uh, the way he sang really and the way he played like he was he was out of tune you know you have so many recordings of them out of tune. He just plays. He doesn't care. It's not about perfection. In a, in a world where music is totally about perfection and entertainment, in, especially, he he really didn't do that, and he didn't change the world because we're back. We're way back to square one on that one. You know, with Insta, uh, Instagram, we're like way more beyond we were before. But but for a time there, for a brief time at least. He just was like, no, I don't care. I'm who I am. And that is commendable to me because that was the one thing that he, you know, that's why I think a lot of his frustrations, you know, because obviously they wanted him to be something. He, and he did not want to, he didn't want to play that game. And that's a game that obviously everybody plays. Um, but if you, if you go back and listen to a lot of the old stuff that they did, you know, they've got a lot of um, uh, B-sides and outtakes and stuff. There's a lot of rare demo recordings and everything. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, there's a lot of weird things. It was very experimental, I think, in the beginning especially. It made a lot of really um, interesting songs that nobody else would, you know. Like, I, I would be hard-pressed to find these newer bands, you know, coming up with, uh, yeah, my first uh, my first band was called Fecal Matter. <laughs> uh, uh, I was like, what? <laughs> So that was definitely a time. It was the time in, in, in a lot of ways. I do feel that. But do I think that they had a profound effect on on the world? I think they did. I don't think it lasted, but I think they did for a brief period of time. And, and again, we got a lot of we got a lot of good music, uh, not just from them, but from all the bands that they allowed to come in because they became popular. And like you said, uh, the, the companies were just like, let's, let's just bring in all of them. Um, and that's how it goes, but. I'm not sure the only other person or one of the only other people I could compare him to would be Dylan. And that, that's mm-hmm. a big comparison uh, for the sheer fact, writing style and the fact that he wasn't, a tremendous guitar player. Uh, the fact that he didn't, he wasn't the best singer, but he had tremendous lyrics and a style that was unique. And in that regard, he does remind me of Dylan. Um, and um, yeah, I, mean, I think I often wonder, though, you know. 
he, he, he said he didn't want to be famous. But then I just wonder, you know, why are you doing I mean, okay, why does anybody play music? Why does anybody, yeah, they do it because they enjoy it. But in the back of your mind, you want to be on stage. You want to be making some money. You want somebody sitting down to interview you. There's a little bit of narcissism to sure. everyone. Oh, sure. And I think, uh, well, I mean, that that's the one thing that somewhat, see, my my favorite all-time band, The Doors, there, there's a lot of parallels between Jim, Jim Morrison and, and Cobain besides the 27 Club. And, sure. and Mor- Morrison was kind of kind of the same way. I've read in a few mm-hmm. books that, you know, he said, had he had it to do over, he'd move to a quiet cottage in France and live a quiet life. And, you know, I, I kind of get that from Cobain as well. But with both of them, it's like, you know, at some point, you know you're famous. You know what power you wield. And then you just kind of let it take you over. And I, and I don't know. I'm just like, you know, really? You say you don't want to be famous. That's kind of one of those, like, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but just like, and you know why you got there type things. Well, what I think is, I don't think it, maybe maybe the wording isn't right. Maybe when they say this, well, first of all, I think that probably when they say this after the fact. You yeah. Know? And, uh, but I don't, maybe it's not, the, just the famous itself it's just the things that it entails mm-hmm. the demands the the uh, expectations the the constant this or that those things that prevent people from you know it, when you talk about people like this these unique people who have created this art uh, um that's that's so against the norm you know and then you you get famous and you are kind of i'm sure thrown into this construct of trying to be in the norm because they you're a money-making machine so they've got to keep you in line you know and i'm sure it doesn't help that you you get up there and you get rich and you get kind of spoiled and you get uh you know just uh, dependent on on the lifestyle (laughs) Uh, that so that kind of probably prohibits that going and living in the cabin or the woods but i i think it's probably more like that like like i'm sure like he loved playing and you know to play and obviously to make money to live and to do all that stuff and i'm sure he wanted fans like you said there's i'm sure he'd love to be interviewed and all that stuff but maybe not like oh we've got 14 interviews today we got to do this and you know like all that you know just the that constant um stuff that probably pulled him away from a lot of the things he loved to do because uh, and being an introverted person like which i think he was obviously that's been pretty well documented like be forced to do all that. <laughs> to be forced. Like here's what here's what happens when you're I'm I'm an introverted person. When I'm around a bunch of people, um, not only do I get social anxiety, uh, a lot of times, uh, not all the time, but sometimes. Um, but there's also sometimes there's physical um, uh, things that happen to your body, but also you tense up. You get this weird tense feeling that just kind of drives you crazy. So to be like having to do that constantly, I think would, would be very much a burden, uh, you know, and just something that you just, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. So I, I'm sure it was like more of a double-edged sword, you know, very, very bittersweet thing. You know, it's like, obviously they, 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 I'm sure loved being able to, to connect with so many people and do what they love to do and, 
all that, but you know, I'm sure that there is a lot of bullshit that comes along with it. I know personally, you know, I, you know, you and I've been on, on stages before and there's really no better feeling than that, but um, I don't think I would want that fame either, really. You know, like I'd, I'd love to be able, I would have, you know, back in the day when I was playing music, I would have loved to have been able to take it to certain uh, extremities. But again, that, oh my God, no, nah, man. I'm the same way because there was a time of uh, going out to clubs and bars and all that all the time. And mm-hmm. now I'm just living a quiet life and kind of in the same vein. Yeah, there was a time playing music. Yeah, I want to, let's, let's do it. Let's let's be big. Let's do this. And, and obviously that never happened, but thinking, you know, everything that comes with it. You know, we, we sit back and we think, you know, these actors and athletes and musicians and everything, they're making millions of dollars. But when you really sit back and you put it into perspective at what all they have to do and what all they are required to do, I mean, you got to think some of these artists uh, are signed to five album deals. Right? You record an album, it drops in 2018, you tour for a year, you go... Uh, back into the studio in 2019. I mean, I'm not entirely sure how the contracts work. I know it's over a certain period of time, but you really got to crank these albums out. And right. Sometimes, right. <laughs> whether you want to or not, you got to come up with a song and right. then you have to promote it. And it's a machine. It's a never ending machine that will chew you up and spit you out. And, been right. well documented and 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 not and you know and like you were talking about Foo Fighters and how they've kind of just they've continued to grow or whatever but not all bands are like that how many bands had really killer first maybe one or two albums and they started to suck and suck and suck and suck yep. right and is it just because they just don't know how to write a song anymore maybe but I think it's more like that I think it's what you just said like the constant you know touring the, the whole mishmash of being a rock and roll star or the expectations and and the, and the contracts and having having to fulfill these things and just kind of you know um, just uh, uh, you know uh, half-assing it yeah and some bands you can really uh really pinpoint some of that and some artists you can really see and see that happen too. Uh, but um, so I suppose putting, putting a bow on this uh, and, and, and final thoughts on this Nirvana degree yeah. all that much, much to the chagrin of some people, but um, much. Uh, all right. So final thoughts cultural impact where do they rank all time just we we've we've covered it more in detail than i than i kind of thought we would but we just kind of got to rambling so so final thoughts on nirvana uh culturally like as far as like rating them against what like the beatles or something like that yeah the, the, the beatles, uh, beatles i guess you would say is the bar like the, them and elvis they pretty yeah. much done everything Band-wise or artist-wise? Well, 
they didn't, you know, th- those those are the predecessors. Those are the ones that broke the mold, you know. So that's kind of hard to compare to. But uh, um, I think just for the 90s, again, that just for that particular period, um, for sure, uh, they they definitely put their stamp down, um, and it's still there. But um, but the music today is is definitely a lot different. So um, I do think that uh, that it did it was kind of a wave, and it is kind of um, it's embedded in me. It's embedded in I'm sure a lot of the people that grew up in that time period in that era. You know, if you were a, a teenager in the early '90s or mid '90s, there. I think that you you probably still <clears throat> feel that stuff, and you know we we talked about this again. But the thing about it is that era, uh, and along with him and his self destructiveness, whether it really happened or not, comes comes with the territory and the '90s and the curse of the '90s bands, where uh, so many of them have already perished, is uh, is is just insane. So it was it was a really force but uh it was a very unstable force i think and it was something that uh the whole world grabbed grabbed onto <laughs> and, they, and they and they wrote it for a while and then they're like whoa, whoa, whoa i went off this ride this is too much for me but uh so yeah that's where i think i think that um i think i think for a generation paramount for the 90s generation or however you want to label the early 90s generation i think that he was um he was the man. Uh, as far as the whole spectrum of the world, um, I don't know. He's up there. I mean, he's definitely in the top ten. Nirvana is definitely in the top ten. But um, but no, he, he, they don't have uh, the sort of reverberations as uh, the Beatles or Elvis or uh, anything like that. But uh, but it was um, it was definitely a different time. It definitely got us out of cock rock, which. I have to be thankful uh, for. I would, uh, as much as I would agree with that, um, they are certainly. I would venture to say just as relevant in 2018 as they were in '91, as they are classic so. rock now, which is strange. Well, they're classic rock. Right? Yeah, they're classic rock. So, uh, I mean, they are to me, maybe to you. I, you go ask an 18 year old, uh, we'll see what they say. I, I don't know. Yeah. but um, they are just as relevant because there is a whole new generation discovering them and well yeah I mean they I mean they will be right up there with with the Beatles and with uh, the Stones and with these people that people are going to discover and you know that I mean um, again when there were a lot of great bands in the 90s I experienced a lot of really good music I thought but in the end, a lot of them are going to fall off to the wayside, and, and you're going to be like, "Who?" Mm. A lot of people are already like, "Who?" Uh, but um, but Nirvana, Pearl Jam, uh, Pumpkins, again, um, yeah, Soundgarden. Uh, there were there were a few more, but for the most part, um, I would say, yeah, definitely Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Those are going to be the two that they're definitely going to they're going to know those. Those are the you know for years and years and years, obviously, but. Um, Again, you know, the thing about it is we're living in a, a totally different generation of of, of uh, just the way people think. And a lot of the things that he said were so boisterous that I think these days, I don't know, again, it wouldn't fly. 
<laughs> yeah, we are in a very PC generation, a very rose-colored glasses generation. And he simply took those rose-colored glasses and crumpled them and chucked them to the side and was not PC, was not... Yeah, yeah I agree. An artist, an artist like that these days, and people... People can say you have artists like that now. I disagree. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know one. I wouldn't. I couldn't even pick anybody even close. I, I you know, I, I no, I have no clue uh, who that would be. Uh, Not that I listen to a lot, a lot of music uh, of today, but I wouldn't have the fathoms idea of who it would even remotely be close to that. But I've, I've, I've discussed this with uh, with people before, like you know. I don't know what this generation's fight club is, you know, uh, and I got, there's just so much difference. Um, but yeah, but like if, if somebody came out with a song like rape me today, I, I'm pretty sure it was, it's going to get some kind of hashtag with it. Um, you know, people like can't be upset because yeah. like they tend to think so literal, you know, and he's, he was so metaphorical. Like his, again, we're talking about poetry. We're talking about uh, subtext. We're talking about, uh, uh, uh hyperboles and, and, uh, metaphors and, and everything he, he was very abstract he was an abstract painter uh and uh, and that's something that you don't you don't really um see too much anymore i don't think i uh that you don't that you don't um so setting up uh next week uh obviously we're gonna we're gonna watch the circle kind of run that down we're going to watch The Circle. We're going to listen to The Circle Jerks. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because uh, we are simply former teenage dirtbags who listen to <laughs> Iron Maiden, baby. Um, <laughs> like, nobody's going to get that but me and you. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to so watch. I got, the... I got one... Yeah, Go I got on. one more thing here. I got one more thing. I got one more thing too. Since we're since we're uh, talking '90s, and and uh, we'll we'll be talking '90s about with music a lot because uh, I don't know much else. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I'm we're, I'm gonna do a quick little shuffle here, um, and see if you um, know or like any of these songs. Okay. Okay. I don't know what they are. I um I, <laughs> so uh, I may skip some things if I'm like this is not gonna fly, but um. I, you know, I downloaded this uh, this music unlimited with uh, Amazon a couple months ago, so I've, I've added a bunch of albums, but I've nowhere near added all I want to. So there's a bunch of shit on here, but I'm gonna just shuffle a little bit, and we'll see just just to give an idea of uh, of what you were thought. Okay. Okay. It's not all '90s. It's not all '90s, but yeah, the majority. Okay. All right. Um, oh, here we go. Um, this is. Uh, it or ID, whichever I will pronounce it by Pearl Jam. This was, uh, I want to say this was a single. It wasn't really, it, it's on their greatest uh, hits. I've heard it, I know, because I have their greatest hits. So I know I've heard it. Yeah, yeah. It was originally released as a single on the Merkin Ball single, I want to say, and it had a song called Mirror Ball or something with Neil 
diamond. Didn't know young, no young. No young on it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good song. Okay. Uh, oh, look at this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. This was bound to happen. Uh, again, a song where uh, uh, I'm so horny gets played on the radio. I don't know. But like, like, not even like blatant, you know? Yeah. Um, this is a song called Solid by Fuel. Uh, they had the big hit. Um, they, well, they had a couple big hits. Uh, uh, Shimmer, Hemorrhage in My Hands. Yeah, Hemorrhage. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they were okay. They were okay. Yeah, I, this, is off, this is off that album. I know, I've got albums in here. I know a lot, of, uh, a lot of girls were, uh, were off the uh, moist over the lead singer there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can. I can, yeah. Is a big yellow taxi at County Crows. And uh, was it it Nora Jones? No. No, Vanessa Vanessa Collins. Same thing. What happened there? there? She had like one. She had like one. Now that was a cover, wasn't it? This is a cover of a a Joni Mitchell song, maybe? I want to say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, about to count and close again. Oh. Uh, this is, I don't know if you really recognize this. This is the um, instrumental on Nimrod of Green Day. Um, are you a Green Day Yes, fan? yes. And I know it has been some time since I've listened to Nimrod. Yeah, it's a great album. It's a fantastic album. I, I got some stuff on here. Um, have you ever... Um, Heard about? I mean, I'm sure you heard about it. The uh, um, American Idiot uh, Broadway yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, I saw like a uh, documentary about it. It's, it looks really cool, man. I really wanted to see it. It came to Chicago a few years back. I really wanted to catch it. I know some some uh, shows. Billy actually played. <laughs> he actually he actually was um, in in the in the show, which is really cool. But it, the reason I mention it is because on the soundtrack that I have on here, it plays some songs that I've never heard of. And, I, and they sound so much like Green Day, I, I want to say for sure that Billy wrote them. Um, but it's worth checking out because there's some, they're actually really good, really good, really good stuff. So I'm really, I really uh, intrigued about that uh, Broadway. I really want to see it. And this is who I was talking about, Belly. Uh, the song is called Slow Dog. This is off their first album. I really, I'm not that big of a fan of it. I love King. Belly, King is one of my favorite albums. This one's. Okay, it's not that great. They're really weird. They're another one of those bands that would not have happened, would not have existed if it were not for Kurt in the early 90s yeah. Russian. Here we go. I think you'll know this one. Yeah. Pretty news. We were talking, you were talking earlier about did he do it? Well, did he do it? <laughs> uh, did, did you know, Chris? Chris Cornell? Yeah. You know, there's theories out there with him too. I don't know. I'm like, he did write a song called "Pretty News." Yeah, well, him, uh, him and Chester both, right? There's theories on both of them. Yeah, there's definitely theories on both. And of them. Chester, okay, 
not not to interrupt your your shuffle, but since you no. brought it up, Chris. Now I've I've heard of theories you're talking about, but I've not researched them heavily. Chester, I tend to believe, did kill himself because man, if you actually have you heard any of that new album uh, that came out right before he passed? No. If you listen, really listen to some of those lyrics, I mean, they're, in my opinion, just calls for help. Like, oh, really? yes. And, I, and well, I mean, if you listen to a lot of Lincoln Park. Oh, I mean, the first album, uh, uh, what, what was it? The, the uh, What's the one song? It, it was, the big hit. Was it was in the end on that one? In the yeah. end, yes. That's the one I'm thinking. Um, mm-hmm. Very bleak. But yeah, I mean, hindsight on this new album, if if you just listened to it and had he not killed himself, you probably wouldn't have thought anything of it. But uh, right. but actually, um, there's a song called Heavy, if I'm not mistaken. And the lyrics, uh, just a quick excerpt here. Um, I don't like my mind right now, stacking up my problems that are so unnecessary. Wish I could slow things down. I want to let go, but there's comfort in the panic. And I drive myself crazy thinking everything's about me. Yeah, I drive myself crazy because I can't escape the gravity. Uh, I'm holding on. Why is everything so heavy? Holding on so much more than I can carry. I keep dragging around what's bringing me down. If I just let go, I'd be set free. Holding on. Why is everything so heavy? That was the single off that album. Wow. Yeah. And and as I said, you know, had he not killed himself, you probably wouldn't have thought too much about it. But in hindsight, reading those lyrics, listening to that song, which is not a terrible song, but it's just like, wow, that's really just jumps out. Um, but anyhow, uh, on on with the shuffle. On with the shuffle. <laughs> Well, but real quickly, like just you know, even like with Kurt, I mean, Kurt wanted to name in utero, "I hate myself, want to die," but they wouldn't let him. <laughs> you know, instead he he named his song off of "Beavis and Butthead." That, but that's what he wanted to name the album. So yeah, I mean, when you look back on hindsight, I mean, and even uh, with uh, Chris, this uh, this song, the pretty new song, "Down on the Upside," that a lot of those songs are very dark, bleak, depressing mm-hmm. stuff. We'll do a couple more. Uh, this is uh, we're talking about the, the weird guys of Pusa, the presidents of the United States of America. Yeah. Did you hear much of them? I'm gonna be honest. Aside from I've not heard a whole great deal from them. That that whole album is pretty good. Uh, they're all crazy weird. You should listen to Doom Buggy. Uh, this one's called Feather Plucking. It's it's not the greatest, but Doom Buggy was really great, and and Naked and Famous were two of my favorites. Oh. Hey, it's a new song. How about that? Wait, what do you think? Is this Ed Sheeran? It is, but it's Eminem. You heard this one? I don't think I have. It's off the new album, Eminem's new album. 
Uh, is it, is it uh, what's uh, the river? The name of that song, the River? Is that it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. I know the song you're talking about, and I may have heard it just a snippet, other, other than that snippet. But okay, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> okay. He's a, he's an all right guy, uh-huh. talented, somewhat. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really trying to think of how to word this. He is really playing. Uh, I don't like Ed Sheeran first and foremost. Let's <laughs> just throw that out there. I do not like him. Okay. I am subjected to him frequently. Thanks to my right. wife. Uh, okay, but he he he's listenable enough where I'm not just wanting to stab a drumstick in my eardrum. Um, but it's just I listen to him and I'm just and I watch him and I see and I'm just like, you really have found your audience and you <laughs> really is it all clamoring girls? Is that what it is? Yeah. Just like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, it's that's you know. I'm just like, more power to him. I mean, hell, he's a millionaire and I'm not. So, but I'm go, just like yeah. this guy. This guy is the big, the big shit now. And <laughs> okay. right. so. I don't think I've actually heard any songs of of him. Uh, he this this course is okay. I mean, it's not it's not horrible, but I don't I don't think i've ever heard any of his actual he, songs he's got a decent voice but <laughs> i'm just like no <laughs> so all right let's try now go to country <laughs> there's more green down oh there we go Stone Sour? You, you a Stone Sour? Fan? I like some Stone Sour. I, I like uh, Corey Taylor as a um, as a musician, uh, as a guy. He seems like a really cool guy. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I actually like Stone Sour more than I do Slipknot because they are a little a little bit softer. Not a great. Oh, no, they are. They're, they're definitely. I mean, even the harder songs are more melodic than, than some. Well, I, I know. About, I know in the uh, later album, Slipknot got a little softer yeah. in some of their songs. But uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I I do like them a lot more than in uh, Slipknot, and I, in what he's done on his own, I enjoy too. He I saw a lot of acoustic stuff that he just did by himself that is really good. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really do like him. I think he was really good. Um, the first two albums, especially Sour, I haven't listened to a whole lot of the latter stuff. But uh, the first two are really, really good. This is not the second one. Uh, the first one where they ha- where he has that um, the um, acapella, yeah. the uh, the poet thing. That's great, man. That's fantastic. I heard that just the other day on shuffle, and it's really, really good. Like that's it, he, he he really can write a song uh, or, or lyrics. Um, so yeah, I, I like that. So that's enough. That's enough for the shuffle. I started playing a few oh, other no, things I, here. I dig it. I dig it. Then, um, uh, well, I'll try to do this all, every time because there's a lot of shit on here. We'll just kind of go through some things and maybe um, uh, see what you say. And I'll, I will learn some things. I just learned that you you love Ed Sheeran, and I'm gonna send you a bunch of those. <laughs> there we go. Um, but next week, uh, the circle. 
Circle jerks. Circle and, uh, yeah. Pivot man. No, um, <laughs> uh, we'll discuss the circle. I'm sure along with that movie, we'll get into some technology and how it's going to be the fall of mankind. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, uh, it hasn't already fallen. Do what? <laughs> if it hasn't fallen before next exactly. week. Exactly. Uh, and an interesting kind of keeping along with the movie theme. A guy at work the other day uh, brought up um, Pacino and De Niro, and mm-hmm. I'm a fan of both. I'm, I'm sure you appreciate the work, so we'll kind of debate that a bit on the next episode and kind of figure out and debate who's better, whose career has influenced more actors, so on and so forth, but... um. Uh, one last thing. Uh, yes. If all goes as planned, if, if all goes as planned tomorrow, I'm going to go and watch The Strangers Part Two. Okay. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, I may be able to give you a little bit of info about that. Um, there were some good. There were some a few good uh, movies that came out um, today. Real quick, let's go real quick before we go. Uh, Red Red Sparrow. Any interest? Yes. I, I love Jennifer Lawrence slightly uh, more than I do Ed Sheeran. Um, so uh, right. no, I, I really do. That is a a woman crush, and she is actually a surprisingly good actress. So, okay. uh, a wrinkle in time. Um, some mild interest, but I'm not sure if I want to go to the theater and watch it. Yeah, definitely wouldn't be a theater thing for me. You know, Death Wish. Uh, I wasn't huge fan of the originals, but I wasn't either. But I, you know. Roth, Eli Roth is the horror director, so I'm slightly interested just to see what he does. But I'll, I'll watch it. Definitely wouldn't go watch it in the theater. Uh, Gringo, Gringo, Green. Mm-hmm. That one I'm no. not familiar with. Um, it. I don't know. Um, Mexican Cartel. Uh, I don't know. Charlize Theron is in it. Um, okay, but. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of people I don't really know. Um, that that sequel to Pacific Rim, you said you didn't see the first one, so I'm sure you have no interest in that one. What about uh, Ready Player One? Yes, I plan on watching that in theaters. Okay, yeah, that that does definitely seem to be a, a, a probably a good theater experience. I'm sure it is. Uh, I'm not going to go tomorrow because I'm sure the first. Uh, Opening weekend is going to be crazy on that movie, so I'm going to go with the horror. I'm going to check out Strangers uh, 2. I really did enjoy the first one. I don't know. Did you watch the first one? Uh, no, but I've been seeing the trailers, and I'm like, because I thought, is it is it called The Strangers 2? I thought it was just The Strangers. No, no, it's called The Strangers Pray at Night, okay. but it is part two. Because here was my thinking. When I first seen the trailers for that, I'm like, is, is this a reboot? Is this a remake? No, wasn't there just a movie called The Strangers? Like, it's been a few years. Yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the first one was so uh, closed-ended that obviously it kind of is a reboot in a way, but not really, I think, with the same characters. But um, uh, we'll be interested to see how, if it is any different or if it is just the same kind of cat and mouse movie exactly uh, again but I really did enjoy the first one I, I thought it was done really well really effectively because it was so simplistically made uh, 
that uh, I, I thought, wow, that really delivered without without the aid of all these big explosions or CGI things or even practical effects, really. Like it was just, it was really uh, a very tension-filled um, thriller more than a horror movie. But when you have the masks and stuff, I think that kind of adds the element. But yeah, so I'll click that um, out and uh, I'll, I'll let you know. And one, one last thing, uh, looping everything back around to Netflix, Mm-hmm. Have you seen Everything Sucks? Oh, man, I forgot to tell. Yeah, I did. I watched the first. Uh, I I didn't see the whole thing, but I did watch the first three episodes. Okay, okay. I think I'm. And man, I think okay. I'm on maybe five or six. Okay, uh, okay. So I'm an episode two or hit up yet. Great. So yeah, I, I'm digging it. I love. I love the soundtrack. I'm like, oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a very nice uh, way for nostalgia because we I mean it's funny because we mentioned we're talking about the nineties um, and uh, we have all these so many movies that are throwback to the eighties aren't there but you don't see all that much to the nineties uh, not too not too much so it's really good to see that they're they're honoring the nineties in that I, yeah I definitely do want to uh, to finish it and we'll, we will discuss it uh, I do have a recommendation though. Have you ever seen a show called um, You're the Worst? I know the show you're speaking of, and I have not. I have not. Oh, my God. That show is fantastic. Um, it's not set in the 90s, but it does have a 90s feel, man. It really does. It, it, it's, it's very much got that sort of self-deprecation thing going on. Um, I think you check it, check out a couple episodes. I think you'll like it. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think they're on their fourth fourth season now. I just finished season three. Um, but yeah, they're uh, but one two one two and three are on Hulu. Okay. So, all right, man. That's all I got. Uh, that's all I've got. And uh, until next time, just uh, everyone take care. And if you're listening, we appreciate it. So, absolutely. All right. Take care. All right. Later.